So I want to talk, this is the third time I've, I've shared a portion of this message. I told you we were serving, as it were, in courses. Some of the things uh, we're re reiterating because I think they're worthy of, of uh, repeating. We want to do that just so you'll get it, not because we don't have enough to say. So we want to talk about the lifestyle of sons or of God's sons, you could say. We want to talk about that, the lifestyle. There's a way in which God's children, God's people, are supposed to conduct themselves. And some, you notice that when you read in the Old Testament that there were uh, people surrounding God's people. It, it's been an amazing way that God has dealt with his children in that he brought them into a land right in the midst of enemies all around them. And as long as they served God, they were, they were unbeatable. Nobody could conquer them. No one, huge armies could not beat a handful of them. And it was, it was because God was with them. But they began to look at those people, those nations around them, and started acting like the people around them. Now, does that remind you of something uh, called the church and the people around us? Because uh, so many of us have started to act like the people around us. And that means that we, when we adopt the world's ways and customs, then we become worldly. Yeah. When we start to believe the things that the world tells uh, that are antithetical to what God says, that's worldliness. And so we, what we want to do is look at, at how to live our lives, that, that the life we have in Jesus, the life of God, uh, the life of the Spirit of God. We, we want, when we talk about that, we want to figure out, or not figure out, but learn from the scriptures how to walk that out and what that looks like. So let me just start reading in Galatians chapter 4. We'll start reading in the very first verse. Now I say that the heir, that is the person who inherits, right? That the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. And those of us who have looked at, uh, seen the House of Windsor and other uh, monarchies in the world, you'll see their children are always cared for by these caretakers, these stewards, these guardians, and making sure that nothing happens to the child, etc. So this is sort of an analogous, Paul is talking to this as an example of, of what things look like for us. But, but even though they're master of all, they're they are under these guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father or their father. Now he says, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage, reduced, uh, that means we were reduced to bondage in a sense, under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, that, that is a, a, a phrase that we want to just pull out today. Uh, that is, but when the fullness of the times had come. We were something before, but now, when the fullness of, time, of the time had come, God did something. God sent forth his son. See, so when it was at the right time, uh, God sent his son, born of a woman, number one. Number two, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. Why? That we might receive the adoption as sons. So what Paul says is, but, uh, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, right? So, or it's like saying, but at the right time. 
But at the right time, God sent forth his son born of a woman at the right time. Jesus did not come one minute too early nor one minute too late. It was at God's appointed time. And you and I have an appointed time with God. We have an appointed time. And you have to know, yes, that this is a kairos moment, not a chronos. The Greek says chronos as, as in uh, time, a sequential time, but, uh, or maybe the time of the year or whatever, the time of the day. But kairos is a set time, a time when God always wanted it to happen. And he says he, he did that to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And we have talked about that adoption as sons, and we'll talk about it a little bit more. Sometimes when we hear something once, we think, oh, well, I've got it. I don't want to hear that anymore. I've got it. Move on to something new. But this amazing thing that God did for us, he gave us his spirit. He gave us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is our adoption papers. So, so we want to understand that. So God gave us, he didn't just adopt us by going to the courthouse, as it were, and having some legal uh, proceedings. No, God, God's legal proceeding was that he gave his only begotten son, that those of us who believe in Jesus Christ now receive the spirit. And so Paul talks about we are, that the fact that we are adopted as sons, and that means that we're not those little babies who don't have capacity, but we are sons now able to do God's business. That's very important, and especially as we recognize the time in which we live. Uh, fullness of time. Let's look at Genesis chapter 49, verse 10. We'll understand the fullness of time at the right time that God does, does something. Before we read Genesis, remember when uh, God had taken his children, his people, to Egypt to live. He sort of put them in an incubator where they developed and grew and multiplied in Egypt. And then uh, at the right time, because he says, I'm, I'm the, the, the iniquity of the Amorites and all those people who dwelt in that land had not reached its fullness. It had not reached fullness. And so at the right time, he delivered his people to go in and take possession. Now, I know this gets a, a bit ahead of what I would like to say, but I really believe in my heart of hearts that we are approaching this right time. That is, uh, in our salvation history, when there is going to be a generation we know that will, as it were, bring the Lord back, will bring the Lord back to this earth. And I believe that some of you right now are, are very likely a part of that generation. Amen. Amen. In, in uh, Genesis 49, let's go to 49, verse 10. It says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the, a lawgiver law from beneath, between his feet until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be uh, the obedience of the people, I think, uh, of the people, yes. So in Genesis 49, he says, the scepter shall not depart. So he talks about a scepter. I called it in the first service a ruler's staff. It is a symbol of kingship. And so he says, this will not pass. And many um, theologians and pastors and preachers and teachers will say Shiloh is a name for the Messiah, until the Messiah comes. But let's look at it, it maybe in a slightly different context. Uh, 
in my study, I find that the Hebrew word is silo should be rendered whose it is rather than uh, the way we have, many of us have uh, translated it. It says whose it is. That is the scepter, the ruler's staff, the symbol of kingship will not depart from Judah until he comes whose it is whose it is. And so what we're saying is that nothing is going to happen to the Jewish nation. Nothing's going to happen to the Jewish people that will wipe them out. No matter how Satan tries to do that, Jesus Christ is going to come because he has, he is the only one who has the right to rule. Now, this is important because Jesus Christ, yes, he fulfills this scripture. He is uh, both human and divine, but also Jesus Christ is the seed of Abraham, the one to whom God gave all these amazing promises. And so now you and I now have also become seed of Abraham, that is offspring of Abraham, because of the seed Jesus, because of faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus is a lot more than a get out of hell card free. Get out of free, get out of hell card. So a lot of times we look at Jesus as our get out of hell card, right? He, he's he's going to get us out of hell. That's all. I don't want to know anything else about him. I've heard people say things like that. But that's, it's more than that. You and I have inherited huge blessings from God, promises that we, will, we are now sons of God and that we will be rulers with Jesus Christ throughout ages and ages and ages to come. Yes, God, the kingdom of God is, as it were, the family business. And you are, you are now saved to partake, yes, of the life of God. The life of Jesus Christ is part of that that uh, promise that you will have the life of God living in you forever and ever. This is so big for me. It's too big for me. And so the life of God in you is nothing that you deserved, but it is out of the generosity of the one who saved you that you will forever carry within your frame the life of God. Actually, God. You become God's residence. And this is so big, you know, that you and I have received all of this. Why? Because we believed God's word that Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus is his son. And so he says, um, he goes further. I, I want to read a little bit from the NIV. And uh, the NIV re rendering is that um, until he until he to whom it belongs shall come. So uh, the, I read to you whose it is. He who, whose it is, the, the, the scepter belongs to, and the NIV is a good rendering, until he to whom it belongs shall come. So he says, until Jesus comes, this will not happen. That is, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from beneath his feet until until he to whom it belongs shall come. A very, very good rendering. But also in Ezekiel chapter 21, verse 27, it reads, and this was another rendering of it in Ezekiel, he says, until he comes whose right it is, and I will give it to him. So we know that just as all of the other promises of God 
have come true, these promises and this promise specifically will also come true that Jesus is coming back. That this is not just a made up story. He is coming back. And I believe that we are closer than we think. I believe that we are closer than we think. Nobody, somebody, one of the Bible students right here is saying, but nobody knows the day or the hour. Yes, I, I'm not predicting the day or the hour. But we will know the season. I may not know that when it, what day is going to snow, but I know it's winter. I may not know when the blossoms are going to come out, and, and, but I know it's spring. Yeah, so we know that the time is coming so close, so close. Also in Genesis uh, chapter uh, 3, verse 50, you don't have to necessarily uh, put that up, but uh, Jesus, uh, God the Father, said um, to, uh, that in Genesis 3:15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, he's speaking to the serpent, and between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. All of that came to pass. That has come to pass, and it is still coming to pass. Now, now that, what, why did I say that? Because what you are thinking God is going to do is also coming to pass. It is coming to pass. You and I are not just serving the Lord, going through motions because we are religious people and man was made to worship something, so you're going to worship something. No, this is going to come to pass. We worship God through Jesus Christ. Everything that we do for God is through Jesus Christ. And he is coming back. He fulfills all of these scriptures. Now, now, let me, let me hurry along slowly. Christ fulfills the scriptures. Christ was born of a woman. He was and is both. He was and is both human and divine. Christ has not ceased to be a man because he is glorified. No, he is the first glorified man. So you and I will be like him. My mom used to sing the song, we, we Shall Be Like Him. Oh, my goodness. We have to learn that song. We shall be like him. And, and so that is ingrained, embedded. It's driven into my heart. We shall be like him. I'm not looking for something new and something novel. I just want to want what the, the word of God says. I want to know what, want the, what the scriptures have said. The scripture makes a promise that you and I inherit the family business. The scripture make it very plain that we shall be like him. We shall be like him. And the, John chapter 1 verse 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Can you imagine the logos of God, the, the word of God, the spoken word of God became a person? I get excited. I mean, this is nothing. I get excited in my bed when I think about these, when I read this. I get excited on my sofa. I get excited in my car. You say, well, you're emotional. If, if you're not, you're dead. <laughs> you know? Yeah, sure, I'm emotional. And I don't apologize. I'm not emotionalistic, but I am emotional in, in that this moves me. And I want you to be moved as well. He says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Listen, he's not talking about an it. He's talking about a someone. And this is so important that we understand that the word of God is not an it. It's a someone. 
Yeah, l listen. So he says, we, um, we beheld his, the word's glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so the word became flesh. And so I believe that the word of God wants expression in us as well. So we should conduct ourselves as people who are an expression of the word of God. Are you an expression of the word of God or are you uh, the result of somebody's manipulation or somebody's propaganda? Have you taken on the worldliness, the stuff that is in the world, and now you find cause for your devotion? Now you are devoted for things that originated in the sphere of the world, and now you have embraced them, and you think those are what God wants you to do. I say no. I say your first and foremost allegiance is to this word because just as surely as the word became flesh, Jesus Christ and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory full of grace and truth. I believe the word of God wants to be portrayed now the same. Give the Lord a glory. The word wants to express himself again. He wants to express himself in you. Yes, how is he doing? Question. Don't, don't answer me. Unless you can say, pretty good. How is he doing in your life? Is he expressing himself? Are you a picture of the word of God? Are you really growing in the Lord or are you still doing what you want to do? You know, people who do what they want to do and constantly want to do what they want to do, there's one, there's one place for them, and that is away from the presence of God. So we have a duty to show the world Jesus Christ. Let, let, let me mosey along here. In, in Romans, Romans um, 1, 3, uh, Paul talks about, says, this gospel is concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh. So he wants us to know that Jesus Christ, the son of God, has a human genealogy. Is that mind blowing or not? How can God have a human genealogy? But he does. Because he's both human and divine and he, he comports himself, he conducts himself in a godly man at all times. <clears throat> so you may say, well, uh, nobody can do that. Really? Jesus is the pattern son. Jesus is your pattern. I, I was a little boy watching my mom make clothes, and she would buy, go buy a pattern, and she was, would make dresses and various things. She would buy a pattern, and this is what she did. She took the cloth, and, and somehow I think she pinned it to it, as my recollection goes, and then she would cut it out according to the pattern. And she made it according to the pattern. And you are now being brought forth according to the pattern. So how do you walk it out, brothers and sisters? How do we walk it out? By Christ in you. Paul says to the Colossians, this is the mystery that, that was kept secret. 
until now has been revealed, is, or it was never revealed before uh, to the Old Testament prophets like it was to the New Testament prophets and apostles. He says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, notice what he says, Christ in you, hope, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So in order to see the glorious manifestation of God the Father and God the Son, is Christ in a people and Christ in you. So you must comport yourself like Jesus Christ is living in you, for he is living in you. So, wow. So the Bible didn't say when you mess up, it says if you sin. It doesn't say when you. When you, when you mess up, it says if you do. So what it, it tells me that God's desire is not to raise up a people who are just so sinful that they just sin all the time. The only difference is they've got the life of God in them that is supposed to be their enablement, right? Come on. It, the life of God in you is your enablement. And, and what you have to do is believe it. Believe him and then comport yourself that way. Don't give over to the flesh, all right? Now let me tell you how, uh, uh, what, what's, what uh, Paul tells us in Philippians 2, verse 7. He talks about Jesus as an amazing being. Now listen. I've lived long enough to know that sometimes I mess up. I, I'm, I, one of the things I thank God for more, more than anything is forgiveness. I don't think we put a premium on that enough. I mean, I am so grateful for, for forgiveness because if, if, if I didn't have the understanding of forgiveness, I wouldn't want to live. Because sometimes you, you, you mean well and you do poorly and you, and you can say, Jesus, I am so sorry. And I say, come on, babe. Come here. Let me hug you. It's going to be all right. Now you do better the next time. Do better the next time. That's how, I love forgiveness. But some of us love forgiveness when it's toward us. We don't like to be dispensers of it. Come on, don't look around because you may be looking at that person. You know... <laughs> You know, you don't give it out too well. You like to receive it. Oh, you're still with me. Okay. Okay, keep going. They said, they said it. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So, so let, let, let's talk about that. The Bible says Jesus comported himself and in such a godly way, Peter says there was never any guile in his mouth, no deceit in his mouth. He said, he said man, he said, he said, we saw him be, be, they would revile him, you know, talk ugly, nasty. They would revile him, but he would never revile in return. And you have the same spirit. You have the spirit that Jesus is. Jesus died to give you and I his spirit. Peter says, when he suffered, he didn't threaten. Isn't that a tough one sometimes? Thank you for telling the truth. That's a tough one sometimes. You know, because here you are suffering and uh, you and you tell, man, you don't know what I could do. No, Jesus never said it. Peter says he never threatened in return. But what did he do? He he gave himself into the hands of the one who judges righteously. So you, that the spirit of the one who gave himself over to God, the father, lives in you, so why can't or why don't you or I give ourselves? 
Say, Lord, I'm going to give myself over to you. I'm going to give my situation over to you. I sure want to defend myself right now, but I'm not. I'm going to walk as a son. I'm going to be like Jesus. We shall be like him. John says we, that, that beloved, now are we sons of God. Now are we children of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but this is what we know. When we see him, when he appears, when we see him, we're going to be like him. Now, I don't think that just means wait until he comes through the skies. If you see him today in this service, you will be like him. This is what God wants. Walk like it. We want the world to change, don't we? I know I do. I want the world to change, but the world cannot change itself. Now, if you've lived any time and you've seen all of the shenanigans that go on in the world, you ought to know by now that the world can't change itself. But God can. Walk it. Walk like it. The Bible says it. The Bible says, Jesus himself says, you are the light of the world. Now, he never says the world is full of light. The world is, is full of darkness. But you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. When are we going to believe that and walk like it? You are a city set on a hill which cannot be hidden. Wow. Wow. Let us walk as sons. Let us walk as sons. I think my time, something happened. Somebody must have finagled with the clock. Maybe it was me. Let, let me say a couple of things and I'm going to be done. The even so, I love that. Even so when Paul makes these comparisons. And he made this comparison early on. And he says, we are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. We, are, we, we who were baptized in Christ have put on Christ. You're all one in Christ Jesus. And so his conclusion is this. For as much as you are Christ's, you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Your heirs according to the promise. This is what I call a mind-blowing statement. Let's don't take it too far, but let's take it to where God the Father wants. In Christ, we inherit all things. That, that means that we inherit the peace of God, the joy of the Lord, uh, uh, self-control, uh, just all of those amazing fruits. Uh, we, 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 we have faith. Our faith is right now perhaps small in some ways, but our faith is growing greater and greater and greater until uh, we will be, as it were, just as like him. We'll be like him. We'll be totally like him in these areas. And he says that we inherit all things. Revelation 21, 7 says, he who overcomes shall inherit all things. So what God is saying is that you're going to have me and I'm going to have you. He tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 that we are God's inheritance. And so God, we have an inheritance coming, but God has one coming too. In other words, God had in this lesson that we've taught today, he had Jesus as his only begotten. But now because of his working, 
Jesus is not the only begotten anymore. He is the first begotten among many, uh, uh, among many brethren. So now we are now God's inheritance. We're going we're gonna to inherit all things God. That, that's so huge, isn't it? It's mind-blowing to me. So what he's saying is, don't wait until everything is subdued. Don't wait until the devil is in the lake of fire. Don't wait until all the fallen angels are judged. Right now, while they have full, uh, well, they have activities going on. Let's not say full, but they have activities going on in the world. And they're doing a lot of crazy things. Let us now stand up as sons of God, being undaunted by their wickedness and ferocity. When you see men doing evil things, you see crazy things going on in, in our world, then you know that there's a devil behind it. You know that there are evil men behind it, but the evil men are taking their orders from an evil being. All evil has the same source. And so it, it has the same source. Evil has the same source, no matter where it manifests. But while we are seeing evil everywhere, as a son of God, why don't you stand up? Why don't you stand as a son of God and say, wait a minute, <clears throat> I am a son of God. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. Since God now lives inside my frame, he's not just walking in the camp like it did Israel. He's not just above in a pillar of cloud like it was in Israel. He's not a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. No, no, no. But God now has me, you, as a habitation. God lives in us. Some of those Israelites walked so wonderfully, powerfully, they walked in God. Daniel is a great example of walking and Joseph walked and, and David walked. I know somebody said, David made all that crazy. No, no, no. No, no, no. Read your Bible. David wasn't the crazy guy that people think. He made, he made a big blunder with Bathsheba and, and Uriah. I don't think it's a small matter. It's a big, big blunder. But he went to God. He said, I, he said, I didn't do this to anybody but you. Against you. And you only have our sin and done this evil in your sight. He says, he wanted, he said, created me a clean heart. Wipe out my transgressions, blot them out, take them away. David was a man after God's heart. Has God written that about you or me yet? So these people walked, right? But they didn't have the spirit as we have the spirit. Taking up permanent residence in you. Let's go out of here. Let's walk out this amazing life that God has given us the charge to do. Let's stop being mediocre Christians. Let's stop being average. If you and I are average now, it's our own fault. We're doing something, something that God didn't intend us to do. So this is what I want to say. Let's walk out this amazing life. I know I've gone over but let's walk out this amazing life and let's come under the authority of God in a way that we have not done it before. Let's be the church that Jesus died for. Amen.